All right, we're live. Welcome to the List Podcast, episode two. I'm here with Josh, and we got the kid with us as well. Showed and, up on time uh, for once. Yes, I didn't know that we'd even uh, make it this far. Episode two, that is. <laughs> you all but, right, kid? You look pretty cranky, dude. Is your mic off? Hello. Hello. Well, well, I'm also happy to mention that we actually got approved uh, to be on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. So you can now find us, our audio version of our podcast, on iTunes. We made You're it welcome. big. All one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it was a good thing that we got approved. It was just maybe just a coincidence that uh, it was the kid's first time here. But uh, what do you got to say about, about that, kid? Well... I mean, it was, you know, worth you guys bringing me on because obviously now we are highly successful since I started becoming on the show. Um, You know, my fans are bringing the views to our videos uh, that you guys lacked in your episode without me. Um, So, you know, I'm just happy to be here uh, to carry this podcast and, uh, you know, try to keep bringing the numbers in as everybody gets to know the kid. All right. Well, I think you left enough of an impact on the last episode that we wanted to make you a, a permanent part of this podcast, actually. Well, I appreciate uh, that, Chris. He says yeah. we, but he meant him. Sorry, yeah. do you, Chris, do you hear that? Oh. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay. Uh, what what is this about? Why 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 can't you hear me? I I don't know. I don't know if it's like an audio issue, but I'm hearing like some sort of moronic wind breeze happening. Uh, I don't know if that's something on your end. It's definitely not mine because there's no morons here. Um, I'm pretty sure it's well, a mental problem. Sorry, there it is again. There it is again. I. All right, guys. All right, guys. I, I know you guys might have got a little bit off onto the wrong foot during the last episode. I signed on, and then I, he's starting already. This is going to be a long show. Okay, so before we go any further, I'll address that moronic windbag over there. Uh, <laughs> so my issue is his editing. So if he's going to edit future episodes, he better not be cutting out anything that I say. Because that's where the money's at. So when he's cutting out my name so that the kids' fans can get to know the kid a little better, that pisses me off. Calling me an idiot, all I'm going to say to that windbag over there is that if you want to keep pushing me with your stupid little silly tricks in your editing, I'm going to become somebody that you will not like. All right, I have a few things to say to all of that. Yeah, he's muted, so you can go ahead. First thing is that you can play at that game. I uh, figured the first thing that oh, I'm that's better is that although we did get approved to be on iTunes and it did coincide with the first episode that the kid appeared on, the YouTube views were down. So I think you got to do something to improve that mask situation. I don't know if people were liking the whole the visual side of things with uh, with you being on board. The second thing is that if you two can come and get along on this uh, episode two of the podcast, because we've come a long way, then 
Kid, I'll let you pick the first match that we watched tonight. And Josh, you can direct the first segment of the podcast here. I'd like you to get a little uh, Money in the Bank recap going. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Oh, it's so informative. Thank you. You, you. You do not use my own tricks against me. I will I will fly 1,500 kilometers. I'll come over there, and I'll make you wear your Robin mask, the one you should be wearing, you fucking two-timing sidekick. What about right. my proposal? What about my proposal? I'm happy he now, by the way. First match? Josh yeah, he'll pick, his, he'll pick his bra and panties match, and I'll talk about wrestling. That's fine. It's what we always do. All right. Let's get it going then, Josh. Let's start with a nice little uh, recap of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Absolutely. So we don't have much for news. We decided to scrap that. So what we're going to do is talk about the money in the bank that just happened. Now, we inadvertently, as uh, you mentioned uh, there, kid, we actually made a few predictions right now. We made the Otis prediction. Fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, you called Asuka. Also awesome. But there was one there that I was informed that I made. I didn't even remember making it. But apparently, I said Ray was going to get thrown off the roof. He got thrown off the roof. So, uh I mean, uh, now, which prediction did you get right, kid? Oh, wait, none. All right. So, uh, essentially, the overview for Money in the Bank 2020, uh, it was on Sunday, May 10th, just passed, from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. But the main event ladder matches were actually pre-recorded April 15th from the Titan Towers in Stanford, Connecticut. The card uh, was the 11th Money in the Bank uh, promotion to happen. Uh, the card consisted of Jeff Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro. Now that ended up being on the uh, undercard, and we'll we'll get into that because I, I think we're all pretty sour about that. Um, the New Day versus The Miz and John Morrison, Lucha House Party, The Forgotten Sons, uh, for the uh, tag team titles. The R Truth versus MVP. We had Bailey versus Tamina, Braun versus Bray for the title, Drew versus Seth for the title. Uh, and then the two ladder matches, the main events, the men's and women's main main events. Uh, so really quick, I'll just go over all the winners, and then we'll just discuss what we thought of uh, the matches we want to talk about, if that's cool with you guys. Yeah, that works for me. So on the undercard, we had uh, Cesaro versus uh, Jeff Hardy. S Jeff Hardy ended up coming on top. He went over via pinfall. And his return. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a return. It was a huge return for Jeff Hardy. And, I mean, Jeff Hardy's always been over, so it's kind of, again, one of the reasons I'm majorly sour about it being on the undercard to begin with. Yeah. Um, because there were worse there were worse matches. Um, the New Day uh, retained their title. Uh, Big E coming out on top for the finish. R-Truth didn't end up fighting MVP. What ended up happening is when he came out, they kind of went at each other on the mic a few times, and then Bobby Lashley came out for whatever reason, and then it turned into R-Truth versus Bobby Lashley. R-Truth uh, ended up winning via disqualification because for one reason or another, Bobby Lashley decided to lose his cool and got himself disqualified. Again, didn't really make a whole lot of sense being as what was on the line, what the stakes were during the uh, during the event to, to get angry like that. But uh, then we had Bailey retaining her title over Tamina with a little help from uh, her sidekick, Sasha Banks. We had Braun retaining his title from Bray Wyatt. Interesting enough, it was Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend, that showed up. Uh, Drew retained his title over Seth Rollins. It was a uh, pretty good match. 
I really liked it. And then something uncharacteristic afterwards that Chris, you actually pointed out, uh, where they, they shook hands at the end, which really wasn't really in Seth's heel repertoire. And then he went right back to being a heel afterwards. So, um, yeah. the men's ladder match, Otis comes out on top for the win after a sudden interference from the one and only Elias. Woo! And Asuka won the women's title. After beating the crap out of, after beating the cat crap out of uh, King Corbin of all people, didn't see that coming, but it went over really well and it was really entertaining. Okay. I personally thought the event was uh, was good. I thought the main events were the best part. I thought the uh, the you know some of the other Tamina and Bailey. I thought Bailey ran that whole match. She looked great, but Tamina, unfortunately, to me, I think uh, she she looks like she's wrestling on two peg legs. Uh, she just doesn't look good to me. I I, I don't think uh, I've seen much out of her that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Not on the mic, not in the ring, technique-wise. It's just not there. Yeah. Uh, to me, anyways. Our truths match was pretty fun, in my opinion. I enjoyed that. Um, because I, he's always funny on the mic. I think the guy can wrestle. I think he's hilarious. Uh, and Bobby Lashley essentially was squashing him right up to the point he got out of the ring and disqualified himself. Uh, Drew and Seth, awesome match. Uh, Braun and Bray was off and on. I enjoyed it. And then the uh, the ladder matches, though, really stole the show. So what did you guys think? Um, the main event was by far the most entertaining thing of the night for me. I would say I probably enjoyed the Money in the Bank matches more than the rest of the show combined, honestly. Um, I, did, I didn't hate the rest of the show, but I think, I, yeah, you need to have Jeff Hardy's return match not on the pre-show. You could have put something else on the pre-show instead of that or or made time for it because it wasn't a super long event. Uh, I agree with you that like the Tamina-Bailey match basically showcased how ba- good Bailey is in the ring because Tamina wasn't really doing much, but Bailey made it look like there was a lot going on. I think she's definitely one of the top few women in ring in the company. Um, the tag match, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, Seth Rollins and Drew, uh, I think, was a, a pretty solid match. Uh, I think they had a few good sequences in that. Um, again, not match of the year contender or anything, but I think they gelled together pretty well. Uh, and yeah, with the handshake at the end, it's interesting. Like Seth's taking Drew's hand, but you know, it's nowhere near a face turn. He was just basically like Drew was just showing his dominance on him to being able to get the handshake out of them there. So I, I do kind of like how, how, how they uh, handled the finish. Drew's just looking really strong, like like looking like a top guy now, which is awesome. Um, the main event, uh, I loved it. I mean, like you said, we kind of made the podcast pick for the men's uh, match to be Otis. And uh, Oscar was my pick for the women's. Um, so I think Oscar was a big bright spot of the women's match. The little ho- uh, spot where she was up on the balcony of the next floor and went up, uh, jumped on all the women. That was pretty cool. Uh, I liked the feel of the match. You know, you had some really good camera work, kind of like a lucha underground feel, in, in some cases where you know it has a a, lot, a little bit of a unique perspective that it's shot in. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of the winners, uh, I can talk all day about uh, Oscar and Otis, but uh, I'd, I'd like the kid to chime in a little bit because I know you at least tuned in for the main event. I know you're more of an AEW guy, but you, you did watch the Money in the Bank match. So what did what did you think? Yeah. Busy posting bail. Hmm. 
Sorry, are you, are you done? Oh, I haven't started. You want me to, or do you want to say say your bit? No, let let the kid talk to his fans, please. Stop please, talking. talk, child. All right. So, uh, yeah, I did check out the main event at least. Um, admittedly, I don't keep up with WWE too much. Um, I said that you know it was trash or whatever I said in the last episode. Um, you know, like. It's not that I don't love the nostalgia of it, um, but it's just currently like, I don't know. I just, I find it very predictable. Um, like I, I don't, even if I can tune in and watch like a Raw and I already know what's going to happen and I haven't even tuned in and I don't know any of the characters or anything, like something's wrong. Um, and also, uh, you know, it sounds like from what Josh was saying there, like with the Bobby Lashley stuff, you know, it sounds like things are just happening at random. It's like almost they don't even know what it is that they're doing, you know? So, like, you know, you shouldn't, as a wrestling fan, you shouldn't have to try to piece together what's going on, right? But anyway, that's a that's a, my WWE rant. Um, you're, but, you're right, though. You're right. I mean, the, the reality is, like, Bobby Ma Lashley is in this match to, what, prove himself. And he throws it. He gets disqualified and he gets angry for no reason at all. He had no prior heat with truth that I'm, I'm aware of. There was no reason for him to go off like that, especially when he's trying to prove that he deserved to be in the ladder match to begin with, and then he gets himself disqualified. I, I think you're right. I think it looks like that the WWE doesn't know what they're going for long term, so they make these long or short term changes, and it shows. Yeah. Whereas, like when you look at AEW, right? Like even the littlest matches make sense. There is some sort of little bit of history there for the matchup to make sense, um, right? So, like, yeah. Anyway, I got off topic there. My bad. Um, but the the main event um, was actually awesome. You know, like uh, it's good to see like WWE had some really good goofy bits in there too, right? Which is like you know classic what they're they've always been really good at, like not taking things too seriously. Um, you know, the Vince McMahon uh, cameo there with uh, I think it was Ray and AJ. Uh, and then Daniel he, and AJ. Yeah, and he sanitized his hands right after and. <laughs> You know, like that was that was funny, but every, like you said, Chris, everything was well shot. Like, um, like from the moment Oscar jumped off the uh, like the second level of the lobby there onto the onto the girls, like that was sick. Uh, and then like the guys starting off in the gym, and they were you know using the environment to their advantage, and you know they're they're having fun with it. And I think like for them, I would definitely start watching again if they let you know the wrestlers actually have a say, right? Like, you know, to, you can tell that everything's just so scripted. Um, but anyway, it worked for that match. The filming was great. Um, and I love the finishes too. Otis is, even I know who Otis is, he's hilarious. Um, you know, so, and Asuka, I don't know too much about her, but I, I love that she's like, she must, she's Japanese, right? Yep. Yes, she's like going off on everybody in Japanese, but then like her broken English to get her her point across. So she's so over the top. Like that's yeah, awesome. I yeah. I can't really say enough about Oscar. Honestly, like she's been my favorite, one of my favorites in the women's division for years now. Um, and she has always been one of the best in the ring, uh, for sure. But. And she just didn't have the mic skills because she didn't speak much English. But now she kind of even has that despite not knowing much English. And the Isn't thing with her is, though, she 
is so good at facial expressions and body language that she doesn't even need to necessarily be able to speak a lot of English to be able to get across to the audience. Well, you know exactly what she's trying to do. It's it's she the storytelling she tells with like you were saying her body language, you know her enthusiasm, her surprise. It's it's really really well done. I don't think she needs to speak yeah. a word of English to be successful. Yeah, for sure. Um, she just has the personality, and it's like just it's very apparent, and that shines through. Um, I think she was a great pick to win the match. Of course, I I think I was I was uh, she was my prediction for that anyway. So. Uh, before I even knew that that would make her champion, which is a whole other discussion point. Uh, but I was kind of thinking she would be a good heel money in the bank holder. But I feel like she's kind of just turned face through all of this because she's been so damn entertaining. I, it, there was no official turn, but she's just gotten to the point where she's so likable that I feel like she'll just be a face now, uh, especially because she's champ. Because as Becky came out on Raw and announced that she's pregnant, which is crazy news for someone who was champion for over a year now beat ronda rousey two wrestlemanias ago and has been one of the biggest stars in the company uh lately she was just kind of forgotten about for a while but had that little false heel turn and then just all of a sudden became the biggest star in the women's division which you know i i, I really like they'll miss becky for sure um there's a lot of other talented women that will be able to make up for it but i think like having her kind of propelled to the top, they'll they'll definitely be a, a void to fill uh, with her gone for a while. Yeah, I want to touch on something, kid, that you actually like, uh, you know, you kind of, you you mentioned the, the bits that were in the ladder match and you mentioned Vince McMahon, but there was another big one there and I want to talk about it. The, the, the AJ Styles going in and seeing that coffin. You know, seeing, yeah. seeing Taker's picture, you know, to me, I, I'm I'm thinking they're setting up a rematch, and I can't wait. What do you guys think? I liked it. I think just the fact that, yeah, like, AJ's kind of still, like, haunted or spooked by The Undertaker. I just like that. I just like any kind of continuation like that, any kind of, like, callback, even though WrestleMania wasn't that long ago. Uh, just the fact that, like, yeah, AJ's back after he got buried alive. But, yeah, just this – I think that was Alistair Black's room that he ended up going into, but just reminded him so much of Taker that he was just like, ooh, like, I, I love that little touch. I think that was just – very yeah. nice uh, addition to but the match. Do you, do you see a rematch down the road now? Because like what I'm thinking is is they're leading into the fact that this is still in AJ's head and he's not getting over it. And and you know traditionally the only way to f- beat your fears is to face them. Are, yeah. are, do you guys think that they're working up towards another AJ Taker match, uh, like a rematch, and then possibly a rubber match down the line? Or do you guys think that it was a one off and then they just they were just doing this bit as a callback and then that's it? I hadn't thought of it like that but it makes complete sense um i could definitely see if they're if they're kind of making a point to continue it a little bit that they might have a rematch maybe uh styles is the one taker puts over in his last match i know he's kind of looking for that perfect last opponent i don't know if he would be it but you're right i mean maybe they wouldn't be touching on it to that extent if they weren't planning maybe a a rematch next WrestleMania, SummerSlam, whenever that is, who knows? Kid? Yeah, no, I think I think they're, you know, they know what they're doing. They're teasing it. So I don't know what the timing of that would be because I don't know what Taker's schedule is like. I know he's getting older now. He's If he's saving himself for just WrestleManias or, um, but I mean, yeah, they could keep that going subtly throughout the year if they're going to do the rematch at the next WrestleMania. Um, yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I liked it too. It was their match was awesome. Um, you know, it's nice that I am familiar with AJ Styles, so I can really appreciate, you know, what it is that they did and accomplished. Because um, AJ's the man; like he's so good, and he's been good for for a while. Um, good everywhere, yeah. And it's crazy yeah. to see him now, not even just in WWE, but pretty much at the top. Like we're we're damn near close to it. Uh, he's it's really awesome to see how far he's come after his long career. To, yeah. to, even, to even be at the level of being a worthy of an Undertaker or WrestleMania match is is awesome. Yeah. Did they did they explain like how he became not buried alive, or did he just show up one day? He just showed up uh, in the Money in the Bank Gauntlet qualifier match like, on Raw. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like you know, you can't. There's no. It's they've lost the storytelling. It sounds like like I only know what you guys tell me, um, and it just sounds like they're not thinking about or connecting the dots. They know the dots where they are, and they don't connect them. I'm giving them a little bit of time to explain the AJ thing, and here's why: because they're sh they're they're going out of their way to showing that if that it fucked them up. They're going out of their way to showing that what happened is playing on his head. And they're reliving him being buried alive and things. So they're not just throwing it in the past. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a couple weeks for them to give AJ a spot or a segment where he actually explains how he got out. Because I agree with you. If they don't address that, it's bullshit. But to this point, what we've seen is he made a return. He didn't really do a spot. He just made a return, won the gauntlet. And then now we've seen him in Money in the Bank. However, we haven't really had a chance or an opportunity for anyone to ask him how he got out of that or for him to address it. So I agree. I think if it's not addressed, it's a complete um, – it's a it's an injustice to the storyline that they're trying to tell. But um, I'm I'll, I'm going to give them a, a little bit of time. I'm going to give them a couple weeks to see if a segment comes and that and that gets answered. Because they may plan to answer it or they may plan to throw it under the rug like, like you suggest. And I do think – like, I hope they don't throw it under the rug. I hope, you know, they they explain. But we've seen it in the past. I mean, guys, every single time there's a buried in the live match, uh, a buried alive match, eventually the guy returns. And Take very rarely do they actually explain how he got out of it. They always come back. Like, even, well, even, even um, Paul Bear. I mean, even he showed up again after he was buried alive. So, um, right. it would. Yeah, it wouldn't be unbelievable to think they're just going to leave it and it'll never be addressed because they've done it in the past. However, I'd like to think that for continuity's sake, they're going to do something, but I'm waiting to see. Yeah, that's a fair point, and um, that's as much props as I'm going to give you here for this episode. So, <laughs> Thanks, kid. You know. you're, you're a professional. Idiot. Yeah. I agree with you there, too. I think they, they have something that they should continue to work with. Um, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and see where they go because the rematch might not be close. It might be down the road. So I'm willing to see maybe, you know, they, they go for a while without hinting at it, but maybe down the road it, they pick it back up. So we'll see. Um, but uh, either way, I, I do really like what I've seen out of AJ, like for most of his time in WWE. Um, him in the finish... Him just about being able to get the Money in the Bank briefcase was pretty perfect. He was just, you know, slipped out of his hands. <laughs> and then you had Elias hitting King Corbin. And then Otis just grabbing the briefcase. And I know Josh is a huge fan of Elias. And we're all huge fans of Otis. Just seeing Elias with the assist and Otis grabbing the briefcase, I was like, holy crap. Josh yeah. just freaked Catching out. Yeah. No, 
Awesome. Uh, I love the finish. The finish was, was fantastic. And I didn't see it coming. I knew Otis was at the bottom. No idea Elias is even in the building. I thought that was it. I thought it was like Corbin's up there. Like, you know, Oscar dummied him pretty good. So that made him look a bit weak. But, uh, however, uh, he's going to win. That's what I thought. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, guitar. And then the good old heavy machinery at the bottom, ready to catch it. Loved it. Yeah. Only. The only thing that I like kind of took issue with was like AJ has gloves on and his gloves are like, you know, I, I'm thinking I don't know what their material is like, but if, if they're any anywhere like football gloves, like the the sticky part of his of his inner palm, like there should be some stick there. Like so I imagine that's what he does with the ropes, like but it, so having him have the gloves and then hit drop out of his hands while this fat sweaty man Catches it no problem, you know. Like I was just kind of like, ah. You was uh, maybe, but from the let me let me pose let me pose this to you though. Football players wear the same thing, and they're catching a football which has pores on it to help them catch, and they still drop that shit. Now you try to use that glove on stainless steel that may or may not have sweat on it. It's probably gonna slide right out like it's nothing. Human hands, if they're not sweaty, are pretty grippy. So I, I don't find it. And the fact is he didn't catch it just like with his hands like this. He hugged it into his body. So I don't have an issue with the way it was done. And I have no issue with AJ's glove slipping and sliding at all. Yeah, you would. <laughs> so that kind of brings a good segue to my next question for you guys, because I, I think it is an interesting point is now that Otis is Mr. Money in the bank, I mean, heavy machinery didn't even win the tag team titles yet. It's honestly, as much as I love Otis, it is weird to picture him with the top title. Do you guys think they he uses it in a weird way to cash in on the tag team titles? Do you think he puts it on the line to defend Mandy's honor against someone else and they end up winning? Do you think there's some, some result here other than Otis being world heavyweight champion in the end? Which I think is very, very possible. Well, I don't think they're... So, can they? They can technically use the Money in the Bank briefcase for any title shot, right? It's never or is it specifically established that you could? But it's always ever only used for the top title. Uh, but you know, it's WWE. They're they're fine with just you know rewriting history and saying that's not how it works anymore. That would be you know what a waste, right? Like you win that and you get a shot for the main title. Like why? why would you not take that shot? Like, if you're in a tag team, that's great. But, you know, you can earn a tag team shot without having to cash that in. Like, I, I don't know. I feel I feel like that would be kind of dumb. You can earn a title shot, a heavyweight title shot, without having to cash that in. That's besides the point. Maybe his goals are to be a tag team champion, and it's not to be a singles champion. Right, and the only reason I, I bring these possibilities up as scenarios is just because I... I love Otis, but and he maybe he's going to be world heavyweight champ within the next year. Who knows? I just think there's other possible endings to this story than him being the world champ as his yeah. first title in the whole company. You know, it's kind of unheard of. For a guy I don't like think him. he's going to win. So, like, I, I really never thought of this at all about using it for a different title personally. But uh, I I don't know. Maybe maybe he uses that. However. Even if he cashes in the title, I don't see him getting the title in the next year, or the, the briefcase. I don't see him getting the title in the next year. Um, I, I just don't see him beating the guys who are currently champions. So unless there's some dirty 
trickery done where the title changes over before he cashes in the before he cashes in the uh, the briefcase. I don't think like I think he'll cash it on the one of the main titles, but I don't think he'll win. I think uh, you know he. I just don't see him beating Braun yet, and I don't see him beating uh, Drew either right now. I mean, those guys are the top guys, and I'm a huge fan of Drew. But I mean, when you look at them next to Otis, Otis. I just don't see him beating anybody alone right now. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned, like, maybe he cashes in for tag team. Maybe. I could see that happening, absolutely, if WWE is willing to entertain that. But I don't see him winning the title in the next, at least in the next six months. I do not see it happening. Right. And there have been situations where, like, like Mr. Kennedy won Money in the Bank, but then he uh, got into a fight with Edge, and he ended up putting it on the line in a match with Edge. And then Edge won it, and he ended up cashing in for the second time. So there is the possibility of, it's on the line in a match somewhere along the way. Like AJ and Otis have a match because AJ thinks, oh, I actually was holding it for a second. I should be the winner. So let's, you know, down the line, have a, a match uh, with the briefcase on the line. And then AJ wins it from him like yeah. that. It's, it's possible. I'm just thinking of other scenarios here that could happen. Well, it makes, it makes sense when you think about Ibushi with the G1, like leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, you know, you win the G1, you get your shot at the title. At Wrestle Kingdom, and he had to defend that that right in order to defend do that. that spot. Yep, so it yep. makes sense that the Money in the Bank contract be on the line. It's almost like a like a it's not a title, obviously, but you know it's up for grabs. Um, yep. You can put it on the line, and but I I don't think I I think it story wide storyline wise, like I, I I think it would be kind of silly to like cash it in on a tag title. Like I think if he yep. went to go like cash it in on the main championship if you win it right like how many think about storyline wise like how many world champs have tagged up with somebody to become dual champ you know like like edge and benoit um which we'll talk about actually a little later because since i get to choose the match i know what i'm choosing okay you have my you have my attention you have my but anyway he's a monster I mean, I'm down with watching a Benoit match, but you're gonna pick. You're gonna pick a fucking. Ugh. You would jump down my throat about that. You don't even know, dude. You, I'm just you fucking with you. I'm down with whatever you pick. I like. Did you watch the last episode? Do you know who? what match I put forth? I'm not even sure who you are. That's probably all right, guys. All right, pipe down, pipe down. Right. So I think we've I think we've covered the men's match quite a bit um is there anything more in terms of your guys thoughts with the the women's just the fact that oscar's champ now i I hope she gets a lengthy reign i think you know i would i wouldn't hate if she had a you know close to a year-long reign i think she can put on solid matches with just about anybody on the roster i would like to see her just with like six successful defenses solid matches throughout uh being entertaining throughout um I think that they will miss Becky. I think she's probably the best on the mic in terms of the women, one of the best in the company, at least way up there. Um, but what do you guys think? you have any more thoughts on kind of Oscar's champ or anything like that? Or if not, we can kind of move it on? Well, I, I don't have anything to add because I, I don't know the roster. So I, I can't really comment on anything. So sorry. Um, so for the women's match, I was, there weren't, there weren't as many like crazy spots to talk about and like the taker thing and then the Vince McMahon thing. So I do think the match fell a little short in that. I I think 
the writers could have done a better job of, of letting, you know, putting in a few more funny spots for the women too. Whereas there were funny spots, but it was almost exclusively Asuka, which yeah. is good. She did amazing. Her spots were hilarious. But, um, but what I think the women's match did really well was even running through like the event and, and crossing over with the men's match and you could see the mismatch of everything going on. The women's match always stayed pretty much a brawl. Like it, the whole time they were fighting. Whereas with the men's match, there was a few times where they were just kind of staring at each other or they were just walking together and shit. And you yeah. really didn't get the feeling all the time that the men were battling, were fighting the whole time. Not only fighting, but the, the goal was to get to the roof where the title was. And there was a few times where it seemed like the guys were just content to stay on the floor and wrestle for a while on whatever level they were on. Whereas, uh, you know, you had Lacey Evans, Oscar, they were fucking running for the roof any chance they got. And I thought that told a way more realistic story in the sense that, yeah, it's a wrestling match. Yes. We're in the gym right now, but this isn't where the, this isn't where the, the contest ends. It's upstairs. So fuck you guys. I'm making a run for it. And that's what Asuka did. And I thought the women did a much better job of making a real match out of it in the sense that, like, this isn't about the wrestling until we get to the roof. That's where the match happens. Yeah, when we intersect each other, there's going to be a fight. But we don't need to stay here. I mean, you had uh, Corbin pinning, um, or uh, I think it was Corbin pinning down Ray with weights. Okay, but while you're pinning him down with those weights, the other guys could be fucking taken off upstairs. The women didn't do that. And I think that was way better. I thought their match was a little more technical. Less right. of a um, sideshow. I enjoyed the sideshow of the men's match. However, I also very much enjoyed the more realism of the women's match. Just a couple of things there. It was Otis that pinned AJ ah. down with the weights. And like, right. I, I do agree with what you're saying. Like There was a lot more gags on the men's side of things, and they were fighting a lot more, whereas with the women's, it was like it was almost like more like a rat race. Like, Asuka just went right for the elevator. It's like, okay, we need to get to the top. Okay, I'm in the fucking elevator. Um, the only other thing about that that kind of goes against that is fucking Dana Brooke getting like the fake money in the bank from the conference room and like Stephanie coming in. It's like the real one's on the roof. And it's like, wait, she wasn't paying attention when they advertised this like yeah. every week on Raw for like the last month. It's true. <laughs> All right, I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. So that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I, I can't defend that. That's, yeah, if you're fighting for a title, you should probably know the stipulations of the match. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I guess I, I get that it was done for the, you know, for the lulls. But uh, it was just kind of funny because like, it made her look a little stupid. Nevertheless, thoroughly entertaining match. Yeah. Uh, very On much. Besides, the men and women's match, they were both awesome. In fact, they should have just made that the whole event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I would have been down with that. Um, but yeah, uh, if you guys are down, I'd like to start a... Start us into the new segment. You just made the list. See, we even got a, I even got a little soundbite for it this time. The list segment. You know, we're gonna. Are we gonna have to pay Jericho for that. Uh, five seconds per use, so we, we got. Uh, I don't have any money. <laughs> we can just invite him on and have us, or have him like just tear us up. <laughs> Jericho. We'll be like, will you come on our show? We have the kid. He'll be like, what kid? I'm into the bubbly. I'm into the bubbly. The one, two, three kid? It's like, no, just the kid. That guy beat Scott Hall that time? <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. All right, so. Confirm deny. The list. This week's 
top three is going to be top three tag teams. And I'm going to get the kid to start us off. All right. Uh, oh, my God. As much as I would love to be, like, hipster about it and, like, choose, like, a bunch of different tag teams from a bunch of different, like, times, um, I, I got to go with um, Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and the Dudleys. Um, I can't. You know, there's so many, right? But, like, those three are just so iconic, and they had so many matches together. Uh, the TLCs, obviously, um, you know, but then even just, like, you know, competing against each other, like, you know, Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys, or then, or insert the Hardys, and you know what I mean? Like, all their matches that they ever did together were so good and innovative. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to go with those those three teams i can't i can't talk about any others nice i mean i can't really blame you for just picking those three i mean if, if we if we are going to do an honorable mention um go for it i i would probably say um probably angle and benoit too yeah, there's a lot of, like, makeshift tag teams you could consider for this. Like, Edge and Rey Mysterio were an awesome tag team. You don't even think about them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ones you could throw out. What, what about you, Josh? What are your top three? And if, if you want to throw in an honorable mention, then, then go for it. My honorable mention is more or less my number my number three. So, uh, okay. sorry, my number two. Uh, I'm going to go uh, for number three. I, I'm going to go with the Hart Foundation, um, mostly just as a – I, you know, Canadian boy, we all know Bret Hart on his own, um, but uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, really, he did single stuff, but we really don't know him for that. But most of us know who he is. So for that reason, I'm giving them the number three spot. They were a really good tag team. I like the mix of the tech technical prowess of Bret Hart and then just the, the pure tank of Jim. So uh, they're my number three. Number two is... My honorable mention, because it's more of a, a three-way tie. I mean, when okay. I look back at my experience with tag team, just like uh, the kid, I mean, you got to think Edge and Christian. You got to think Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. You got to think the Dudley boys. They they revolutionized, revolutionized what the tag team division did. I mean, they, they, they you never thought you could do with tables, ladders, and chairs what those guys showed you you could do. So uh, I'm only going to pick one because it's a list. Uh, so I'm going with the Hardy boys. However, the Dudley boys and the Edge and Christian, I could have changed up any of those guys. They were all so good. But I'm going with the Hardy boys for the reason that they're really only known. I mean, they both have outstanding careers as singles. But when you think about them, you think of them together. I mean, they're both still wrestling. And they're both upper, mid to high, like to top card guys right now. But when you think of them, it's still as a tag team. Whereas Edge... You think about Edge. I mean, yes, Edge and Christian's huge, absolutely huge. But you can think of Edge alone. He's You're a right. rated R superstar. He fuck Lita. Like, there's lots of shit. Um, <laughs> Dudley Boys, you know, they're really only known as a tag team, but they only have the one spot. They have the table gimmick, and they put on amazing matches with it. But then they went to TNA. They became a new thing, and then so they're great. They're amazing, and they're almost tied. But I got to give it to Hardy Hardy Boys. I think they just put in a little more effort. I thought their their spots were a little bigger. Uh, I, I really enjoy them. So that's my number two. I'm going with Hardy Boys. Number one, 
I'm going with the Legion of Doom for this reason. They literally, like, I can't think of any time that they were ever successful not being in a tag team. Ever. I don't yeah. know them from doing singles matches, and I know that when Hawk died, they tried to bring back the Legion of Doom with Heidenreich and Animal, and it just flopped face first. And to me, that shows how important the two were together, and that apart, they just didn't work. But in their time, they were a staple. They were the top of the tag team divisions. They were the champions. They were crushing guys. They had that sick finisher from the top rope. They're just, to me, they're what the tag team division is. They don't do as well on their own, but it's okay because they absolutely decimated the division they decided to be in. So um, those are my picks. I got to go number one, Legion of Doom. Number two, uh, you know, uh, the Hardy Boys slash Edge and Christian slash uh, the Dudley Boys. And then number three, Heart Foundation. Nice. Very good picks. Um, I think, yeah, the Legion of Doom, especially like from just a historical perspective alone, I mean, they their run was amazing. I mean, you could probably argue they could be the, the greatest of all time. Um, for me, um, I have the Hardys in there too. I, I didn't do mine in any kind of particular order, um, but I uh, picked the Hardys first uh, for some of the same reasons you mentioned, Josh. Uh, the fact that they both had strong singles careers, but you still think of them mostly together. Uh, but also just the fact that they were like, I liked them when I was a kid. So that even though now I kind of feel like I like them equally to Edge and Christian, as a kid, I much, much preferred the Hardys. I didn't even like Edge and Christian until like later years. I didn't even like Edge on his own because I knew wrestling was fake, but I still fucking hated Edge as a heel. Like I was just like, you're a fucking dick. He was uh, a piece of shit. Yeah. So he, like it, it was like far past, you know, me thinking wrestling was real, but it's, Edge still got under my skin to the point where I, like, didn't like him at first. It took me a little, little while to appreciate him <laughs> as a heel. Yeah, so just, I Hardy's got that first slot. Uh, they just edged it out because of the, I've liked them at, during my childhood, and I still like them now. They, they've been my favorite or one of my favorites um, the whole way through. Um, the second I picked was Rock and Sock. Just because, you know, so many good segments between the two and just the way they played off each other as you couldn't have, like, two more different people in the tag team. And I know, I think in the grand scheme of things, they were pretty short-lived. But uh, the fact that there's so many highlights from them and so many memorable clips in the short period they were together, I think that is a kind of a testament to how memorable they were and how well they worked off one another. Um, and third, I actually put the Brothers of Destruction. And uh, this is another one that was kind of more, like I had a childhood reason for doing this because when I was first only occasionally watching WWF uh, at my cousin's house, um, The Odd Time, I remember watching an episode with him and it was, uh, I don't know if it was the first time Undertaker and Kane teamed up, but I think one of them made the save for the other and they had an impromptu tag team match where it was Undertaker and Kane against, uh, I can't even remember who they were facing, but just the fact that it was such a big deal that, you know, these two were finally teaming up after all their history. And the fact that I just remember that, like as one of my earliest memories watching wrestling as a kid, I had to just put them there as uh, as my number three. Uh, honorable mention, I mean, there, there's there's probably too many. I, I, I don't even know if I'm going to uh, pick an honorable mention really here. Um, 
I, I for a modern mention, I mean, I do feel like New Day is kind of like the the top tag team of the modern era. Uh, I think they're extremely entertaining and definitely as cringy as WWE is sometimes nowadays. I do feel like they're they're a consistent bright spot. They're very entertaining. You think right that- behind uh, Kenny Omega and uh, the Hangman. Well, I was just gonna say, like, you think them over like Young Bucks or Pentagon Junior and Ray Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I, if you kind of start thinking outside WWE, it definitely opens the opens the doors. Um, I don't know if I could. Yeah, the Lucha Bros. The more I think about it, the Lucha Bros would probably take that spot. I think I prefer them to the Young Bucks by a little bit, uh, but two also amazing tag teams. AEW's tag team division is stacked. I love a lot of those teams. Yeah, and I think like. You know, I would have, you could easily have slotted them in there too, but the fact that they're still doing their thing right now, like, they're still writing their story. So, yeah. like, they will be totally iconic and when, they, when they're when they done. But right now, like, whoa. Like, they're they're kind of rewriting the book, actually. Like, tag, their tag matches that they put together are just absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's been uh, nothing but... Thoroughly entertaining uh, tag matches in AEW for for the most part. Throw in best friends there too, like their their match here on the last episode of Dynamite. Like yeah. whoa, like fucking uh, Chuck's pile driver at the end there. I, I I lost my shit. Like he picked him up like he picked him up like he was gonna do like a torture rack kind of thing, but then he brought him forward and just drove him down. Like it was such a weird angled pile driver like. That was amazing. Like, he's got to do that always. That's his finisher. Absolutely. Yeah, it looked great. And I think maybe uh, after this match, we'll actually get into a little bit of a AEW discussion. Maybe just a really quick uh, series of predictions for the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Thanks, uh, but I, for now, I think it's a, as good a time as any to probably uh, start uh, your your match of choice here, kid. Uh, we can we can start watching some some wrestling. Uh, all right uh so uh last week i put forward the match of edge versus mick foley um i'm sure that we've seen this um but uh oh josh had a little too much to drink it appears sorry um sorry are you okay buddy yeah i just had some bat shit in my mouth oh why are you eating bat shit it was thrown at me. Oh, well, you got to talk to them. That's not nice. So anyway, uh, so yeah, I put forward Edge and Mick Foley. Um, so admittedly, uh, I am an Edge fanboy. Um, he is definitely in my top five, uh, and I've I've loved him ever since the Edge and Christian days. They were so goofy together and hilarious. Uh, their kazoo playing is definitely one of my favorite memories. Um, but uh, when I when I was starting to um, kind of look into the to the lead up of the match to try to fill in um, some of the storyline, I, I was thinking about you know Edge recently trying to come back here from retirement, and I thought that uh, it would be good to kind of do a career retrospective of edge because his career is just phenomenal like the longevity of it and all the things that have happened throughout his career to get him over to the degree that he is now um you know it is worth just 
I think paying him a little bit of tribute. Um, and he's way better than DDP. So, um, you know, we can spend some time, you know, talking about an actually amazing wrestler. Um, I can see him lift his foot above his head. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, if you guys are good with that, I would love to kind of just kind of uh, recap a little bit of Edge's career. I'm not going to go in depth about everything. I'm just going to go over some career highlights, when it all started, um, and just basically fill in the blanks up until uh, their match at Mania between Edge and McFoley. Because it, it makes sense in terms of thinking about his heel turn, because um, this was kind of at the end of the culmination of uh, his rated R superstar gimmick until it you know he kept it going further with the vicky guerrero stuff and all that um so uh so edge's career uh it it actually started in 1998 uh and i did find a fun fact about edges he actually beat vader uh in vader's last match so if you know who vader is uh you know that's a huge deal because vader was huge in new japan um and even in the wwf in the in the late 90s there. Um, so that was his early start, but uh, he mainly started getting featured on television as a part of The Brood uh, with Gangrel and Christian. Um, and they eventually had that uh, dark ministry kind of stuff with The Undertaker uh, situation there. But, you know, like I said, I'm not going to go over everything of his career, just his highlights. Um, and then we, of course, have Edge and Christian's run in the early 2000s. Um, you know, and we just talked about top three tag teams. Uh, so, you know, that's mainly why I made that pick that I did, right? Those iconic matches with the Dudley boys and Hardy boys, uh, you know, they're going to stand the test of time. So, you know, that was a great run there. And then him and Christian eventually broke up and then Edge actually had a pretty good singles, uh, span of his, uh, career in the early 2000s. So in 2001, he had... Uh, a really notable feud with Kurt Angle. Uh, he actually beat him in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament in 2001 to become the King of the, Win King of the Ring winner. Um, and then from there, um, you know, that feud started going even further uh, because Edge did start the You Suck chant. Uh, that's famous with Angle's uh, entrance now. Um, and they even had a... Uh, match at judgment day where the loser got their head shaved um and that was a big deal because edge at wrestlemania 18 had a match with booker t over a shampoo contract in japan so uh the stakes were high for edge there um he also during this time so we're talking right now from 2001 to 2003 ish uh he was tag champs with hogan and if anybody knows anything about edge's story uh in the business he idolized Hogan. He was there um, for uh, one of the WrestleManias at the Sky Dome. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, yeah, he got the opportunity to be a tag champ with Hogan uh, during Hogan's run there in 2002. Um, and then later on in that year, he did team up with Rey Mysterio, and he had a, sing uh, a series of matches between Angle and Benoit, um, which were really highly regarded. Um, and maybe at some point we could throw one of those on uh, later on. So add it to the list, maybe. Um, but uh, a big turning point in Edge's career was uh, when he broke his neck. 
Um, and at the time, it was hard for Edge to figure out what exactly the cause was for that injury. Um, but looking back in an interview, he said that uh, he thinks it started to begin uh, and the injury initially occurred in May 2002 uh, against a, uh, uh, he had a match with Eddie Guerrero. Um, and what happened was Edge took a bump onto, uh, he fell onto a ladder, um, which he thinks initially, uh, you know, caused like a minor injury. Um, but then he did later on in the match uh, take a big bump with a sunset flip power bomb off the ladder. So his theory was that after the bump on the ladder and then taking that power bomb, that's when he really did, uh, you know, injure something in his neck. But, um, you know, being the tough Canadian boy he is, uh, he didn't really think too much of it. He actually wrestled through the injury uh, up until around February 2003, uh, where he states in multiple interviews that um, he had a hard time lifting any weight whatsoever with one of his arms. So that's how he knew that something was really wrong. Um, so he did end up going to the doctor. Uh, and they found out that he had two herniated discs along with a bone spur on a third disc in his spine. Uh, and those two herniated discs were actually causing pressure on his spinal cord, which was causing some miscommunication there with his nerves. Uh, so that's why he wasn't able to, uh, you know, feel anything in his arms for the most bit. And uh, being the true professional that he is, uh, he did decide to undergo the surgery because his greatest fear was that he would put his fellow wrestlers at risk for uh, potentially injuring them because he couldn't lift them. Um, so he went and got the surgery. It took about over a year for him to uh, come back. He eventually came back after WrestleMania 20, uh, March 2004, during the draft lottery uh, that they were doing to mix up the rosters after Mania 20. Uh, and he came back on and he speared Eric Bischoff, who was then the GM of Raw at the time. Uh, so that was a good, uh, you know, reminder of, of Edge and the things that he can do. Uh, he went on to feud with Orton for the IC title and had a little bit of a, a connection with Evolution at the time because Triple H was the main heel holding a lot of the uh, World, he World Heavyweight Championship title runs during that time. Um, but he did begin to turn heel uh, on uh, during Taboo Tuesday, sorry, in 2004. Um, what happened there was there was a fan vote to determine who would get a shot at Triple, H, at Triple H's World Heavyweight title. Um, and Edge lost that vote to Shawn Michaels. Uh, Benoit was also in the mix for the voting there. Um, but Shawn Michaels ended up winning... Um, for uh, to get a shot at Triple H's title. Um, and then Edge and Benoit actually went on to get a tag team title shot uh, at, at, the, the, at the same event. Um, and they ended up winning that match thanks to Benoit uh, because Edge abandoned Benoit during the match uh, to later appear in the uh, World Heavyweight Championship match between Michaels and Triple H to cost Michaels the match. Um, so that was the hinting of his heel turn. Uh, and then on the following Raw, he did complete his heel turn by turning on Benoit uh, and costing them their tag team championship belts. So at this point, Edge was full heel. Um, from there, he did go on to win Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 21. He was the first winner of that. Um, and then he went on to feud with Kane 
who at the time Cain was having this really weird uh, forced marriage and forced pregnancy angle with Lita. Um, I'm sure the WWE is probably not too proud of that angle now, and it was kind of weird. If anybody remembers Gene Snitsky, that's when he was involved and he punted that uh, that fake baby. Um, but anyway, uh, he did end up having a match with Kane to determine uh, getting a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship match. And that's when Lita actually decided to turn on Kane, cost Kane the match, and Edge got his first shot uh, at the Heavyweight Championship uh, without having to cash in his money in the bank thanks to Lita. He did end up winning that match, um, but from there, he went on to feud with Matt Hardy, that famous feud where they actually shot themselves into a work. Um, so I won't go into any more details about that because it's so famous and iconic. Um, and from there, that's when he started to really pick up momentum with his rated R superstar gimmick, um, having that real life pour over into the wrestling world. Um, and then from there, after his rated R superstar gimmick was established, he finally cashed in his Money in the Bank contract during the event New Year's Revolution um, and beat Cena after he had just went through the Elimination Chamber to retain his championship. So uh, Edge won his first WWE championship by cashing in that contract, beat Cena. Um, and then from there, he went on to have the iconic live sex celebration, uh, which was ending up being ruined by Cena. Um, and then that set up their rematch for uh, the title at Royal Rumble, which Cena ended up beating him at the Royal Rumble. Um, but on the following Raw, um, there was a rematch for the title between Edge and Cena, but Mick Foley was serving as the special referee. Um, so actually, Edge lost that match clean, um, but Edge attacked Foley after the match uh, and blamed him for the loss because of basically, you know, saying that Foley had shitty refing skills. Um, so basically, the match was set from there for Mania 22, uh, and Foley, he was motivated to kind of go out in a bang. Um, he wanted to basically find his WrestleMania moment. He said storyline-wise that he felt like that he didn't have that moment. Um, so he proposed that they do a hardcore match at WrestleMania 22 um, so he, that he could get his opportunity to have that iconic moment. Um, and then on the following week's Raw, Edge blindsided him and responded to uh, Foley by giving him a concerto and said that he accepted um, and then from there to the lead up of the match, uh, Foley started to become more aggressive and violent, uh, kind of tapping into his Cactus Jack demeanor and said that uh, he would stop at nothing um, to beat Edge. He wants him bloody and beat up uh, and he wants to, quote, tear the flesh off of his body. So that is the lead into this match. It is a brutal, brutal match. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys are pumped for it because it's been quite some time since I've seen it. Cool. All right. Let's get it started. All right. Edge Foley at WrestleMania 22. Here we go. i turn it up a bit for his entrance. <laughs> Meddling. Oh, this day! I see. You know what the what, what pisses me off the most about his entrance is uh, 
Nobody in the world likes fucking Creed, but everybody likes Ultra Bridge, which is just Creed without one dude. Yeah, that's true. They have so much more like credibility, and then they're same almost like same songwriter, same everything. It's the the songs are the same. It's just a different guy singing it, and everyone's all over it. Everyone hates Creed though. Yeah, the singer's that much of an asshole. That that honestly, <laughs> that changes everything. One of the things I loved about this match is that. Like Edge and Foley made it look so like they wanted to get a hold of each other. Like they wanted to yeah. beat the shit out of each other. Very excited to watch this. I mean, yeah, it's just one. I, I started watching wrestling again like a bit before Mania 23, so I, I missed this just by a little bit. Um, but I know it's just one of the more brutal matches, at least in modern WWE, for sure. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes, but. I'll, I'll be interested to see if you know this is as brutal as you know every match since then. I don't know if they've topped that this since, especially since they entered the PG era. You know, only a few years later. Is Mick Foley heavier than he usually is, or is he just wearing all of his gimmick shirts at one time? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> I saw a TNA sucks sign. <laughs> oh God. Has TNA been around that long? (laughs) Elbow drop to the fucking skull. (laughs) Which is the bigger reveal? That uh, Mr. America is Hulk Hogan? Or that Cactus Jack is Mick Foley? (laughs) I don't even know if you could... Oh, brutal. I don't even know if you could pick one. <laughs> They're both the biggest reveals. I know I shit my pants when I found out that Mick Foley was not only do love, but also Mankind and Cactus Jack. A man of many personalities. And somehow still had time to write all those books. <laughs> yeah, he has some of the most well-regarded wrestling books. Yeah, well, he's really well-respected by almost every wrestler. <laughs> What's he got? Some pliers? <laughs> He's gonna circumcise Edge. <laughs> What's he doing? He's cutting something off himself. Oh, barbed wire around his waist. Dude, he, he started the match with barbed wire around his waist? He yeah, already got speared uh, once. Yeah, so Edge speared barbed wire. Oh, oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta believe that, you know, this match oh, probably not the... only put Edge over in terms of, uh, you know, the fans, but probably gave uh, a lot of the guys in the back a lot of respect for Edge. The fact that he was willing to go, you know, toe-to-toe with Mick Foley in a hardcore match and, and you know, be able to take all that. I think he probably uh, gained a lot of respect from the old dudes in the locker room after this. It's like when you see Foley take bumps, he's like... Throws himself at the stairs, but most you know most sane people are gonna throw themselves at the stairs so their back is completely flat on it and try yeah. to make it try to make it look painful but be safe. Whereas Mick, he's just like throwing himself on the edge of the stairs, just like making it absolutely brutal. <laughs> I think Mick Foley did so well at selling moves because I don't think he ever actually learned to take a bump. <laughs> I think <laughs> he was just like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." <laughs> shoot at all times (laughs) it's all so brutal but he just gets up every time 
Brutal. I was yeah to the to the face. I was. Oh like, man. He he took that barbed wire bat right to the face and it it clipped him naturally. Like, yeah. I would definitely say that. I don't know if there's any WWE match that's happened after this that was this brutal. I think that this might be kind of marks the end of an era for hard. I don't know. Tamina, Tamina's match with Bailey was probably more brutal than this. <laughs> In a different way. <laughs> I gotta get a picture of this. <laughs> Look how bloody he is. Red. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> definitely blinded right now. There was blood in his eye. Yeah. Uh, That kid's like, whoa, he's messed up. Dude, Edge looks like some sort of monster from a sci-fi movie right now. There's so much blood on his face. It's in his eyes. His whole eyes turn red. That's insane. Yeah, he looks like a a movie villain. Um, I can totally see why this match helped propel Edge to the next level. That was uh, that was the moment that Foley wanted, basically right there. Going through the flaming table. All right, so uh, that was a finish of Foley and Edge. Uh, as someone who hadn't seen the match before, uh, I was definitely thoroughly entertained. Uh, it was a pretty brutal match, uh, one of the more brutal matches probably in the modern era of WWE. I can totally see why this took Edge to the next level. Just the the image at the end there of him uh, looking defeated, but looking just like a total like big time villain. Uh, I think this was uh, definitely a, a great match to propel Edge to the next level. It was a match I knew happened, I knew the result of it going in, but uh, it was great to just experience that and kind of get a little bit of a hardcore uh, feel for uh, these podcast matches. Probably the most. Uh, violent match we've watched so far. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I agree. I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I haven't seen it, so I want to believe I've already seen it, but um, I didn't remember any of that. And, uh, the, the, I mean, there was some huge spots in there. There was a lot of blood. Getting speared through the flaming table was awesome. And then the the, the shot of Edge with blood just rolling down his face – but it's in his eye, and it turned his whole eye red, too. But he's keeping the eye open. It looked mangled. It looked awful. I thought that, that match was awesome. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. So uh, what are your final thoughts, kid, on the, on this one? I appreciate you showing us this match. It was a good pick. Yeah, no no problem at all. Um, yeah, no, this match was you know, definitely one of my, my favorite matches. I, I remember watching it because this was peak when I was watching. Um, I stopped watching WWE uh, probably a little shortly after this Mania. Um, so, like, I I did catch, like, a bit of the ongoing feud with Cena and Edge after this one. Um, but it kind of dropped off for me a bit, I, for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this match was incredible. And like you said, Chris, it, it was definitely the match that, you know, he, he was coming off of... Uh, his already he was already a one-time WWE champion at the point of this match. Um, so, like you said, like after having this and being put over like that and how brutal it was, it makes sense why he, you know, eventually went on to become, you know, what was it, eleven or thirteen time or whatever champion. Like, yeah, you know, and I think he, he's such a good. He, like you mentioned, his acting chops during the match, right? Like how they are now. 
well, he he obviously always kind of had that, right? Like how disturbed he looked, um, you know, screen. There was a point where Foley had the bat like grinding against his face and he had this hoarse kind of uh, cracked voice scream like to really, really sell it. Like, um, you know, he's always paid attention to that extra little detail. Um, so, yeah, no, that's definitely why he's one of my He's probably top three for me, favorite wrestler all time. Um, and then the other, the other two in that top three, they they switch. But Edge is always constant for me. He's he's damn good, damn good, and I'm happy that he's back. He's very good. Do you guys? Do either of you guys know or remember uh, after this match? Did they do anything further with uh, Foley and Edge, or was this the end of that storyline completely? I'm pretty sure that that was the end uh, because from there. Uh, he started to become obsessed with getting the championship back again because um, that was always kind of a thing that was Edge's character. He was obsessed with trying to get that championship. Um, and when I did tune in in bits and pieces of his Vicky Guerrero stint, right, like he was using her to get those title opportunities, right? Um, hence why he was called the op- the ultimate opportunist or whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, this match, I'm pretty sure it did, the, the feud did end. Um, and then from there, he feuded with Cena for, I think, the better part of uh, 2006 into seven. Yeah, um, Cena, the same night that this happened, Cena would have won the world title from JBL. And then uh, he would have feuded with Edge a little bit the following year. And then at Mania 23, Cena uh, defended against HBK. And uh, a little bit after that WrestleMania, uh, Edge came back into the mix, too. So they had a really good fatal four-way between Cena, Orton, Edge, and HBK. Really good fatal four-way. So I was watching a little bit at that time. So Edge was almost always in the title picture. Like, he was coming in and out, like, as they needed him. And then, uh, yeah, and he ended up showing up on SmackDown, becoming a SmackDown mainstay, having that WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. Um Definitely an absolute legend. And, and for the record, it's 11 world championships and 14 tag team championships. Wow. 14. Canadian then, legend, wrestling legend. I know I know his stat, like he has the most championships, like in terms of total numbers out of anybody ever, I think. 31, I guess, is the total. Yeah, like that's, that's absurd. Like, yeah. Respect to Edge. Yeah. Thank you for that match. Um, yeah, you're welcome. To move on to the next uh, segment here, uh, this is a little bit before the the next AEW pay-per-view, uh, Double or Nothing. So we don't have to take too much time to go over this, but I wanted to have a nice little prediction segment because uh, our predictions were so good for Money in the Bank, we might as well throw some things out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is going to be a good one and a big one. So I'm excited. Let's do some predictions. All right, so uh, let's let's start with that ladder match. Um, we ha- don't even know all the competitors yet. We know six out of eight, uh, but uh, I just want to get a random uh, winner uh, prediction from each of us. So so far, the, the, com- the competitors are Colt Cabana, uh, Darby Allen, Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian. There's going to be two more, so feel free to throw a prediction in that isn't even in the match if you want to, but uh, those are the six that we know so far. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to stick with what we know for now. Uh, maybe after I'll throw in who I think might also get put in there. But as of what we know now, 
I, I have to. I'm leaning towards uh, Darby Allen, and I was gonna lean towards Frankie Kazarian, but there's a big problem there. Um, Frankie Kazarian is also in there with Scorpio Sky. They're on a team, and at the beginning, I think we'll expect to see them working together. But what's gonna happen if it comes down to those two? What what what's gonna happen if one of those guys has the opportunity to win? Because because technically the match could be win before all guys are even in. I mean the first two guys could win it because how it's gonna work is every ninety seconds a new Kai comes in, but the match ends when someone gets the chip. One of the first guys could get the chip. That meaning that we won't even see the rest of the guys. Now what happens if say Frankie Zarian or Scorpio Sky has a chance to get that chip and the only man standing in the way is his teammate? They're not going to let the other person win. So I wanted to, when I first started thinking about this match, I had Frankie Kazarian. I really wanted to see him. I thought he put on a great match beforehand uh, with John Moxley, which he didn't really expect because you'd think John would just be squashing some guys right now. But he put on a really good match. And they already showed his single, his singles ability outside of tag team wrestling. So to me, that's kind of indicating a, a change. Maybe, maybe there might be something going on uh, sooner than later with uh with scu i don't want to see it i love that tag team but i think that they're going to get in each other's way during this match now whether that leads to a falling uh falling out with the tag team later on i don't know but i do think that they'll get in the way of each other meaning that i don't think either one of those guys are going to win the match so i'm going to go with darby allen myself as of what we know right now as far as the uh last two people to enter um i i'm kind of thinking they might throw in another at least one or two people from other tag teams I think you have a very good point about SCU. Uh, they could progress a storyline with SCU based on something like that, where they're they're two in the ring going for the title, or sorry, the chip. Um, and I do think that uh, they ultimately do see Scorpio Sky as a singles guy. Uh, I think like he's a lot younger than the other two, so I think they're they're going to use SCU to elevate him. But just the fact that Scorpio Sky had that uh, showing in the tag tournament when he had to replace Christopher Daniels after he got taken out, and how he had that little uh, title match against Jericho too, where it was really competitive, I definitely think they are pretty high on him, and he's ultimately going to be a singles guy. So SCU will end at some point, and they're going to uh, push Scorpio Sky for sure. Uh, having said that, I agree with you on the Darby Allen pick for no reason other than I think that he he is just uh, the guy they're probably the highest on in this match. I think they totally see him as a future star and I think they've done a great job pushing him so far. So he is my pick as well. Um, yeah, like for me too, it makes sense that, you know, it, it would, it would seem right that Darby is the winner of this just based off the momentum that he's got from, his matches with Cody and, um, you know, and even his feud with Sammy there a bit. He's been in the spotlight a good bit. Um, but, um, you know, I would honestly love to see Orange Cassidy take it. Uh, but I feel like, you know, when you don't have a crowd, like I feel like that moment would be better saved for the crowd because the crowd would just go absolutely apeshit if he did end up like even when he steps foot on that ladder to even try, you know, like the crowd would be going nuts. So, yeah. you know, I feel like that would be wasted uh, in an, em like not an empty arena, but you know what I mean with no fans. Right. Um, yeah. But that's, that's my, like what I would love to see because I'm, I'm really high on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I, like I said, Darby, I guess. Um, but 
you know, I, we got to wait and see who else is added into that. Um, you know, I, I know that the elite and the inner circle are going to have their match, uh, that stadium match. Um, so I don't know if Hangman, well, Hangman's kind of on the outs of the elite anyway, right? Like from the last little bit that we're getting story-wise line, like, you know, like he's, he, he, he's there with them, but he doesn't really fit in at the same time. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he there was a clear di- even when he was there, there was a clear disconnect. But I think you're right. I I don't think they're going to progress that story too much while there's no crowd. I think there's just too much money in that, and they they built uh, too much into it uh, in terms of a slow burn. So I, I do think that yeah, they are going to find things to fill that kind of time un- until they can get back and have some shows with fans, and then they'll probably bring that uh, Hangman, Kenny, Young Bucks, Elite storyline to a boil. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I don't want to see. Um, you know, if they are going to add, like, the final couple people in, like, say, for, uh, like, a member from Inner Circle and the me- uh, a member from the Elite, um, I don't want to see Jake Hager get put into that match. If anybody deserves to be in that match, it's got to be Sammy Guevara. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it's got to be him. We- uh, yeah, Jake Hager is a snooze fest. I cannot stand watching him whatsoever. Um, I don't even, I haven't even watched any of his Bellator stuff. Like as much as I would love to see his legit stuff, uh, it just doesn't translate over into the wrestling. It was impressive in the same way that, uh, Bobby Lashley's MMA run was impressive. Yeah. He won a few fights, but they weren't that great. They were not a good showing. And Jake Hager, like you said, is a snooze fest. I don't even think, honestly, he deserves to be in AEW, personally. I think he's boring on the mic. I don't think he's an intimidating person. Yeah, he's a tall dude, but he doesn't give off the vibe that they've hired him to give off. I mean, he doesn't seem like a goon. He just seems like a fucking numpty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't want I don't want him in there uh, and involved whatsoever. But I do think Sam, Sammy deserves to be there. Uh, and then if I were going to pick a member from the elite, uh, it, it would have to be probably it, hangman would make sense because that would, you know, that'd be a big spot for him to return and then also be a stadium match. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's gotta be either him or, or Omega. And I don't know if Omega would, I think it's too soon for Omega to be main title picture right now. Like I think Omega's in the perfect spot. Like, Everybody knows how good he is. He could take that whenever he gets the chance. And, um, you know, I think that they should still focus on building up other guys and then Omega will get his shot um, definitely down the line. Like, there's no way he's not AEW champ at some point. So, anyway. Yeah, Yeah, personally, I would would be very surprised if anyone who's in that stadium matches in the latter match, too. I don't think they're going to put someone through both of those matches. I think the stadium match is going to have some crazy spots, and they're probably going to leave the people in that to just be in that match. I think the latter match is more so going to be like these mid-card guys who like or parts of tag teams who could maybe be taken to the next level. Hangman, uh, Omega, all those guys, I don't think they necessarily, they don't need uh, an opportunity style match like this to be able to be number one contender, like you said, Matt. So I don't have any names that are coming to mind, but I do think it's going to be more mid-card guys. What if they use, uh, what if they use, because I mean, we we all know, WWE just let go of a whole bunch of guys. There's a lot of free agents right now. So, I mean, they, they have some no TV clause contracts that they're wrestling around. What if we see a debut 
as one of the entries. Do you guys think a debut from one of the ex-WWE guys? Maybe we could see that. That'd be cool. Cool. Uh, I don't. I don't know any of um, those those people. Uh, so I mean, there's been so there's been rumbling. Fuck, I forget the names because I didn't write down notes. I didn't expect to say this, but there's been rumblings that a few, a few guys, maybe not the guys just released, but a few uh, known names have already either signed or are planning to sign with AEW. So I would personally, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe not the guys that just got released, like uh, Kurt Angle and stuff like that. Maybe not, but. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some a new name show up as at least one of the two entries. Personally, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And Chris, you just brought up a great point. Um, I was going to argue with you a bit when you said, you know, making the guys wrestle those two big matches in the same night. I was going to argue that because at this point, everything's pre-recorded and can be pre-recorded. So there's no nothing to say those guys have to wrestle those I two matches. I think this event is supposed to be all live. It might, I might not be the case. but I. No, I it, it may be, it may not be. I don't know. I'm just saying there's nothing holding them to make them do both matches in the same night. Nothing, nothing needs to be live right now. However, yeah. then you immediately came back with none of those guys need that that push which was a very good point so i was gonna argue with you but then you right. went and stomped me out before i could even <laughs> yeah but nevertheless i'm 100 percent confident that ladder match is going to be extremely good like i just there's too much talent it's not gonna I, i'd be shocked if it wasn't amazing i'm looking forward to this event it is if i'm correct one week from today yes. and uh <laughs> it's going to be so good. I mean, I had so much fun with Money in the Bank, but I had fun with Money in the Bank because of the main event. I'm excited yeah. for the entire card of what I'm seeing for AEW's Double or Nothing right now, and I cannot wait, hopefully, to watch it with you guys live. That would be great. And uh, the Double or Nothing pay-per-view marks the one-year point of John Moxley's debut in AEW. I remember Kid was over at my place. We were watching the Raptors playoffs and Double or Nothing simultaneously, and crazy shit was going on in both, and it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I just remember those. Uh, they had the casino theme, and they had that big uh, stack of chips, and Moxley coming and attacking Omega and giving him the paradigm shift on the, the top of those uh, stack of chips was pretty cool. So it uh, marks a good point in AEW history. It was a really good pay-per-view last year, and I hope uh, they keep it up. Yeah. Is there is there any other match that you want to talk about on the card? That Well, I mean, there's there's quite a bit. I mean, Josh and I already talked a lot about Lance versus Cody on, uh, on episode zero. Uh, do you have a, a prediction for that? Uh... I don't know. Um, that's what I love about it too. Like, I, I'm so glad that it's not predictable. Like, that's one of the main things that I really love about AEW. They do a great job of keeping you guessing. Whereas WWE, storyline wise, like you, <laughs> you come to your conclusions. It makes sense that this person would win, and then sure enough, that's what happens. Um, but uh, I, yeah, if I were gonna make a prediction, I, I would love to see Archer win it. Um, because that continues his push and makes him a bigger threat. Um, but I probably like it's probably going to be Cody because if Cody can't challenge for the AEW title, um, I, he'll probably win out this one. Maybe I I don't know. I, I think actually I changed. No, I take it back. I think Archer's <laughs> going to win it. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think Archer. It makes more sense for Archer to win. Uh, and then they could extend that feud even a little more. Maybe Jake gets involved, um, you know, 
and, and messes Cody up and then triggers a rematch, right? So may, stretch it out a little more um, and not be, don't rush into finishing the story yet. And uh, yeah, just stretch it out and then have that feud be, you know, the feud that carries that belt and brings it up for, you know, the first little bit. I, I agree with you 100%, dude. The only issue is uh, one thing I can see becoming an issue is ego. So Mike Tyson is presenting the winner with the belt. And I just think it would be so egotistical and fucking hilarious if Cody went in, won, just to have Tyson present him with the belt. <laughs> but I agree. I would rather see Lance, uh, Lance win. I, I think it would be a better feud. I think it would... Uh, travel things on and then maybe we could actually weasel into the storyline maybe jericho or somebody being like hey wait a minute you shouldn't be allowed to compete for that title burp, 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 and him going well it's not the title i said i wouldn't compete for i would really like to see that worked into the storyline of people going well you said you wouldn't compete for this title and then him going well loophole i can compete for other titles i want to see that worked in a little more than it is so i'm hoping lance wins yeah yeah um and then at, at least either way, you get this title that will be hopefully uh, allow a lot of the mid-card guys to shine and actually have something to compete for in the long term. Uh, but I, I do agree. I, I lean a bit low, more towards Archer, but I, I go back and forth on this one too. Uh, I could see both happening for sure. Um, but yeah, I think Archer, like you guys said, progresses things a little bit more storyline-wise if he's the champ. I honestly forgot that Tyson was uh, a part of the, the belt unveiling and rewarding it to the winner. So He's back, baby! He's yeah. in a little boxing match, too, completely separate from what the fuck we're talking about. But who would have thought in 2020 Mike Tyson was going to punch somebody again? Yeah, man, he's training again. He looks good. Uh, man, I, I'll watch that, too. It's also on Snoop Dogg's YouTube show, just chain smoking. So it's crazy. To <laughs> that caliber chain smoking. Yeah, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about pot a bunch too. So he's Mike Tyson. He's yeah. the one dude that can get away with chain smoking while he's fucking knocking the dude out. Yeah. There's a, a Tom Segura comedian, I, like part of his bit when he was hanging out with him. He's like, he had a guy there just to light his cigarettes. Like, how bad. <laughs> Mike Tyson is like what most people hope to be someday. You know what I could see happening is, um, well, Tyson's going to knock somebody out. Absolutely. Tyson's going to hit Might somebody. Might be you. I'm well, I hope, calls. I'm I trying. hope it's you because you deserve it, you fucking dickhead. But um, You can't knock me out. I'm terrified, and I'd immediately tap out and admit defeat. I'd be like, I'm a grappler. You win, sir. You're a grappler. <laughs> and, and and he would look at you and you'd be like, please don't punch me. He's like, that's a stupid mask, man. And then you'd be dead. And then you'd have to go buy a new mask. Wouldn't that be a shame if you showed up with a new mask and everyone knew it is because Mike Tyson punched your fucking lights out. Sorry, I wasn't listening because I got distracted by your horrible Tyson impression. Yeah, I don't I don't care what you said. Um, out of the two of us, uh, if actually let's pose this to Chris, um, who would Tyson knock out first, me or Josh? It's okay to say Josh. Think, I know. I think you take both at the same time. Just after he might he, knock us both at the situation, same time. I think if Tyson was in my situation, having to facilitate 
podcast while two people are arguing half the time, I think he'd knock both of you out at once. <laughs> I'd agree with that. I think that he probably would too. So having but said at least that, I wouldn't shit myself when I went out like you. <laughs> so I'm sorry, that's that. not fair. It's a serious issue, I know. Okay, let's move on and do the thing. Yeah. Bringing it back around to the wrestling. Do we have any more predictions for Double or Nothing? We got MJF versus Jungle Boy. We got Private Party versus Best Friends for the tag team number one contendership. Moxley versus Brody and the stadium match. Any general thoughts Ooh. on any of those before we sign off? Nothing that jumps to mind, but I do really want to talk with you guys a little bit about Brody and Moxley. Like what, like what's going through you guys' heads? Because to me, this is an interesting match. I mean, Brody Lee just came in and he really hasn't done a whole lot technically to earn a title shot yet. But he comes in and demands one and he gets it. And I'm not necessarily against that because I like his character and I like what he's doing. But do you think it's enough to take the title off Moxley this soon after Moxley becoming the champion? And not only that, what does it mean for Brody Lee's character if he loses this match? He's got a lot of followers, and if he loses to Moxley now, does that not derail the whole buildup that they're trying to give to Brody Lee right now? Or is it possible we just see a dirty finish, Moxley retains the title, but Brody still looks strong? I would, I'm leaning towards a dirty finish because I'm having a hard time envisioning a finish that uh, makes guy, both guys look strong that isn't dirty. Like you, exactly like you said. Um, Moxley losing to Brody Lee for the title at this point. You know, Moxley is a huge star. I'd be, it would take some balls and I would like it, but I don't think they're taking the title off him right now. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, Brody Lee's been booked really strong. The Dark Order has had a long buildup behind it. I'd also be pretty su surprised if they built him up that he hasn't even debuted that long ago, and then he's just beaten clean. You know, I don't think either of those results uh, works out uh, for, for both guys. So I think there has to be some shenanigans, and I think maybe the feud continues a little bit. So um, I, I honestly don't even have a solid prediction for it. I just think the feud is, is going to be a little fucky. That's all I can really say. Yeah. Um, I think what will most likely happen, like this would be my prediction for the finish. Um, I think that Brody will, because of his size, he'll he'll probably knock Moxley around a good little bit so that, you know, if he does end up losing the match, it doesn't completely hurt him. Um, I think what will happen is I think one of his goons in the Dark Order is going to do something to fuck up because he they already um, you know hinted at promos that the the people that are a part of the dark order they're not perfect right uh, and he had them all lined up and he's actually like demolished a few members like with multiple power bombs after they fucked up in their matches so i think what will happen is they'll protect uh, lee with a goon causing the match like maybe disqualification or something uh, so Moxley will retain, and then Brody will fucking go off on his uh, the goon that cost him the match. Um, to completely demolish him, like, over the top, like, probably some tables and chair shots and stuff. Like, he'll... Barbed wire, why not? Yeah, like, he'll, I think he'll be super brutal to the person who fucked it up for him. Uh, and then he'll make an argument that he never lost, or... Um, yeah, that... that I just see that being the way that it protects 
Brody while also still establishing that the Dark Order is not perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess that's how I think it would go. It doesn't make sense for Moxley to lose it to him. Like, cause like you said, he, he just got here, right? Like they're still building his character. Um, I wouldn't have even noted any like Vince McMahon similarities. Uh, I think Josh, you brought that up on the last episode. I didn't even get that. Uh, but I do kind of see it now that you mention it. And I think that they should, um, you know, give them some more time to flesh that out and then maybe give them a run at some point. There's so many guys that deserve a run with that belt. Um, so I don't know. I think he's got to wait a little bit, um, get a little more familiar with the crowd. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my take on it. That's a good, uh, I think that's a good prediction. I think that's actually really solid. Uh, if yeah, one the minions try to interfere in the match, but they end up fucking up and they end up costing Brody the match when they're trying to help him. That seems like a solid prediction to me. Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with you as much as I'd like to. <laughs> All right, yeah, so we got some solid predictions in for Double or Nothing. Uh, I'm really excited for the show. Um, you know, fans there or not, uh, it's been a while since we've had a an AEW pay-per-view, so uh, I'm very excited to uh, discuss the results after it's over and uh, hopefully watch a very entertaining show. Yes, sir. All right, well, we got lots more matches to go through, so we'll see. Yeah, what's up. we're doing it. Thirty-day podcast starting now. No breaks. <laughs> Could we like? I don't. I don't know. Should we make like it a thing to suggest a match? like at the end of each episode like well, we've uh, kind of been taking the list um the list from the previous week and picking a match out of that uh, well and yeah this week's was a tag team naming tag team just our favorite tag team so we can make a tag team match of some sort the yeah, theme so there. we'll probably pick one of the we all uh, listed all of our favorite tag teams so what we'll probably do is pick a match or two uh, from the tag teams we all mentioned for yeah. next week, and then we'll do at least one match from those, and then that's uh, that's why we call it the list. Yeah, no, well, I, I'm just asking because you know I would love. Well, stop. I mean, we're love impressed by all the uh, degrees yeah. hanging up there. I'm sure the people at Value Village probably want them back. They were accidentally donated, but you go ahead. You go ahead and hang up whatever don't, you can buy. Don't forget what I said. If you push me too far. I've already forgotten what you said. I've already forgotten who you are. Don't I don't even care. What? What? Oh, you listening now? You listening now? What? You muted me again, didn't you? you... No, you didn't. Wow. No, I didn't. I'm just waiting for you to shut up because I'm telling you, keep pushing me. You're not going to like who I become. Become right, where the... Hmm? That seems like a good enough place to sign off for this week. So... Yeah. You guys want me to share my knowledge and my excellent taste in matches? You guys let me know. I'll suggest any match uh, that you guys want to see uh, because I got a bunch to. I can contribute to this list. I know I have, Chris. We've talked about this before. Um, you know, we got a bunch of matches that we want to watch. Captain Numbnuts over there, he's got some matches he wants to watch. Uh, probably Mr. America versus Hulk Hogan. Um, so. Wasn't that never happened, you fucking idiot? You have to watch wrestling to be able to continue to do this. EDP special guest referee, uh, you know. 
anyway. It's like it's like watching a train derail. That's what listening to you talk is like. Well, guys, we got hopefully many more episodes in the future and many more matches within those. So, for this week, episode two, this is the List Podcast signing off. I'm Chris, that's the kid, and that's Josh. And we will see you again very soon.